0: you've come for the Oliver and James Phelps interview on Potterless. I'm sure you're very excited. Well, this episode is a banger, but let's be honest, every single episode's a banger when it comes to this podcast. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. I'll keep this intro very short. This is an exciting episode where I interview Oliver and James Phelps, aka the Weasley twins from the Harry Potter films. So the only announcement I have here is just a reminder that the last Monday in May, May 31st, I am taking off. I'm taking a one week vacation. I've never done this since we've gone weekly. Just wanted a little bit of a break and we will be right back with another episode of Potterless on June 7th. And of course, want to take some time to thank the newest members of our team over at Patreon.com slash Potterless who are supporting the show and keeping it going. So shout out to Arena Ganjaniz, Seaweed Brain 800, McGonagall's Ginger Biscuits, and the returns of Samuel Meyerhofer and Itzel Aime Ayala. A name correction for Marike Riga, shout out to Leah who upgraded their pledge, and a huge shout out to our newest producer-level patron, Matthew J. Moreland. They joined the ranks of… Vicky, Christine, Aaron, Clow, Marchismo, Juan, Rose, Marie, Maria, Lisa, Audra, Eleanor, Nikita, Rachel, Alex, John, Noel, Claire, Rory, Veronica, Noah, Jennifer, Justin, Jacob, Maya, Polly, Zena, Harlan, Nikki, Kine, Sarah, Marta, Flor, Skyla, Adele, Professor, Threat, Ellie, Michael, Kelly, Kerry, Connie, Jen, Nedry, Will, Marique, Ashton, Brittany, Phelon, The Meadows Family, Ginny, Heather, Kevin, Jarl, Peta, Callahan, Bella, Melanie, Tonks, Sabrina, Sophia, Farzin, Melanie, Matt, Okamahime, Bony Pony, Kelsey, Rika, Taylor, Megan, Riley, Laurel, Erica, Kendra, Natanya, Yogan, Darcy, Sandra, Craig, Demi, Michelle, Henrika, Casey, Megan, Jack, Stain, Little, Elaria, Gregory, Cawcaw, Ribbon, Jack, Serenity, Haley, Sabrina, Jenny, Eileen, Annette, Hufflepuff, Brett, Mary, Artemis, Samantha, Nina, Tatiana, Karis, Vomit Spiders, Punkfish, Wire Warrior, Joe, Michael, Maya, Jasmine, Neely, Tate, Sam, Sam, Adriana, John, Jody, Dunna, Nosh, Emma, Il, Sean, Greg, Steamed Nuggets, and can I Potter? whose hands never get too soapy when they're washing dishes, so much so that they chip a bowl they always keep a firm grasp on their dishes. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to exclusive merchandise like stickers and Wizard on shirts, bonus episodes and more, you can head on over to patreon.com Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 176 of Potterless, a very special interview with James and Oliver Phelps, who played the roles of Fred and George Weasley in the Harry Potter films. Hello, internet, and welcome back to another episode of Potter. Is the tale of a grown man who has never read the Harry Potter series as a kid, but he read them as an adult. And now he's moving on to doing other things like interviewing people that were involved in the films. My name is Mike Schubert. I am that man. And I am here joined today by the co-hosts of the Normal Not Normal podcasts. And also, you might know them as the Weasley Twins and the Potter films. It is Oliver and James Phelps. Oliver and James, how's it going? Really good. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Like, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for being on here. I'm glad we could Make this happen. It's gonna be a very fun time. And right off the bat, I, I was always curious when prepping for this interview because on your YouTube channel and when you introduce yourselves, you usually say Oliver and James. But according to your official Wikipedia and IMDB pages, it has James and Oliver. Is this a point of contention? Oliver, did you try to like reclaim the naming or
1: why is there the disconnect? Yeah, my yeah, yeah. It's all about that. It's all about that. I um <laughs> you know, being the older brother and everything Hey, it's me, Editing Mike, taking you behind the curtains to say that at
0: this point, Oliver's microphone messed up. And instead of being his fancy plug-in microphone, it defaulted to his headphone microphone, which didn't sound as good. But ever the optimist, I am looking at the situation glass half full because now there is no confusion about who is speaking. If you hear a lesser quality microphone, that is Oliver. If you hear a better quality microphone, that is James. If you hear someone that doesn't sound like a British man, it's past Mike. So that is what we're at. And actually, this is a good thing. Anyway, back to the podcast.
1: No, I don't know really why kind of why that just kind of happened we were uh yeah i mean like the imdb page the wikipedia page we've got nothing to do with so that's kind of where that came from i think
2: (laughs) i like to think that everybody else has good taste and wants to put james first yeah no that's why (laughs) i can say that because i'm not in the same room as him so there's no uh no problem yeah there's there's no repercussion
0: Now, even when it comes down to this stuff, and, and you've talked a little bit about this on your podcast about being twins, always being lumped together. Does it become frustrating that even on Wikipedia and IMDb, they it's always James and Oliver and not just James and Oliver. I found it strange that Wikipedia is like, here's the two of them together on one listing. And even when it lists your filmography, it has, oh, James was in this one and
2: Oliver's in this one. It's like, why don't
0: we just have separate pages? What's the big deal?
2: I've wondered that quite a few times, but... um, That's pet peeve of mine, definitely. If anyone's listening and they want to write one individually. Please feel free. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, well, what's interesting about Wikipedia is you're not allowed to make your own page and there's
0: very strict rules against it. And people have made a Wikipedia page for my podcast and it was getting like taken down because they assumed I was writing it because it felt too personal. Wikipedia for a whole website that is based on not always up to date and accurate information uh very strict process about what pages they make apparently
1: yeah it's almost like it's almost like they they go on the basis of no you can't say yourself someone else has got to say secondhand information about you which may be a problem with that but yeah i mean i mean we don't we try to take that type of thing too personally i guess that's just the way it is but it is a to me it's a pet peeve because yeah we're two individual people as well you know so why should we just be lumped in the same the same category. Exactly.
0: You're very different people. I mean, looking at you right now, you have different facial hair and top head hairstyles. And, you know, Oliver, you could be considered a little more clean cut. Yep. Whereas, and Oliver, these are your words, not mine. You described James as dressing as a substitute teacher yep. in one of the episodes of yep, your I, podcast. I, <laughs> and even there was a time where you were wearing a full top hat and everything. So you're, you're very <laughs> different people.
1: <laughs> I mean, the top hat one was because uh, we, did, we did an episode and James turned up wearing a shirt. tie and I thought you're just taking a mick here like where has this come from? (laughs) Trying to dress up. So yeah so the next week I thought right we'll just end this now and just go because you can't really get much more formal than a top hat and tails so that's kind of where I went for with that. I tried to put the monocle on but it just didn't quite fit in my eye socket and also oh, so who wears a monocle? <laughs> like, whoever thought, like, even back in the day when they- Who wears a top
2: hat and tails? Have you ever been to the races? Well, oh, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a
0: monocle is an interesting thing because I have good enough vision, but I've never met anyone that says, oh, my left eye has
1: 20 20 vision, but
0: my right <laughs> yeah. eye really could use some glasses. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you've kind of got to almost, like, do, like, a weird wink thing if you're wearing them anyway. So you kind of look like- <laughs> Anyway, we're going down a rabbit hole, Mike, but I don't think you wanted to go down, so I'll stop talking.
0: No, I like this. I (laughs) I want this to be a fun rabbit hole of not necessarily like, you guys were in Harry Potter, so I'm (laughs) going to talk about Harry Potter for an hour because I'm sure you've done that enough in your life. But going back to being different people, I've known various twins growing up and some twins are the dress the same, keep that going for a very long time. Other twins very early on are like, I am not my brother. I want to be very different. Did you guys have a certain point in which you diverged? Did you have a point you turned 12 and you're like, screw it. I don't want to be confused confused for James anymore. Like how did, how did that happen to where now
2: you have very different styles? To be honest, we were always brought up to be individuals. Like we were never, we were never called, cool, especially in our family, we were never the twins. And to this day, it is a, it, I'll just call it, I wouldn't even say it's a pet hate. It is a hate of mine when twins are just classed as twins or the twins. Yeah. We're individuals. So uh, we are always brought up like that. And a lot of our friends say that we are very different when you get to, especially when you get to know us, um, I think, see, like, as you can see, us now, right now, we've got completely different interests. Like, my room is, I think Oliver's described it as a child's play area. <laughs> I've got Lego in the background, I've got a telescope, a guitar, and all that kind of stuff. So, and a dog from my bed, whereas uh, Oliver's rocking the gray screen. It's a, it's a
1: golf impact net. It's a, it's like a, it doubles up as a screen. So, but it's a good white, white background for the background here. But uh, yeah, we have got kind of different, different stuff in the house.
0: Oh, it's a golf hitting pad, like where you can golf indoors.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I had an extension built last year, and I had a, um, it was the, kind of like you know when you're at school and you design your dream house. I thought, right, what would I love in this room? We've got a dining room, we've got a living room. I'd like somewhere I could hit golf balls into the screen on the computer. Awesome. So you have a golf simulator built in. So that's what we've got. But it doubles up, as I say, as a good little. Blank background for doing stuff like this
0: yeah that is nice i have some golf related questions later but one one other thing that i did pull from wikipedia is it's, it said that oliver you root for aston villa football club but james you root for birmingham city fc was this another twin thing where you were like oh my brother roots for this team i'm going to root for their direct rival how did you come to root for soccer teams that hate each other <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah I, I think it's i don't think you can underestimate in especially for american audience's hatred between football teams and <laughs> especially in England but uh, so in Birmingham there's there's two major teams Birmingham and Aston Villa my dad is a Birmingham fan and he took me to my first ever game when I was five I think and once you go to your first game that's your team for life and however we grew up in the Aston Villa part of the city so our grandfather was a Villa fan all of our friends are Villa fans so Oliver went that way I went the way of always the underdog team shall we call them
1: (laughs) there is there is a massive massive rivalry there um and I think some people from the outside may not think that it's a genuine support on both of our accounts it's kind of like all to be different will support opposite teams but it was kind of as James said as a natural thing I probably didn't really get into football until I was certainly older than James I was more into like watching rugby or or that type of sport so when i did come to choose a team it was like well james already goes to watch birmingham with with dad oh, But aston villa they're doing a lot better at the time and uh all my, all my mates supported them so that's kind of it and i'm so so glad i did because uh comparing the two teams now is like comparing chalk and cheese i can say that
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i'm not familiar enough with this specific niche of soccer but you're making it sound like one team is far superior than the other right now oh
1: yeah yeah massively massively but we you know it's um it is it is something i'm very happy about let's just let's 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 just put it back that way but uh you know they've got they've got good owners which is something which they were a couple of years ago it looked like actually villa were looking like they were pretty much out of business due to bad finances and it's all come out this week with the owners wanting to form this super league right in Europe, um, and it's all been kicking off about that but luckily villa have got two good chaps who are who are owning the club and have kept it on a financially sound footing which is less said to the Birmingham I'm
2: trying to get free tickets. No I'm not I'm just being honest I'm just being honest I'm
1: explaining how it works I'm explaining how it works you know we saw it we saw it ourselves the difference in the two teams.
2: You can make it a lot easier you can say Aston Villa are in the Premier League very safe from relegation Birmingham are in the league below struggling to stay in that division. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. I understand that much. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you don't need to say the owners are fantastic. Well, yeah. They're really nice people. <laughs> and my address is <laughs> underscore <Exactly>. underscore underscore. <laughs> 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 so
0: moving on, I do have some Harry Potter questions. And my whole goal with this is just to not be that interview. And I want to know if this was real or not. The person that asked you if you were twins in real life, was that a real, genuine question, or is that a bit? Because it feels like too terrible of a question to exist.
1: There's actually a video of us of, of her answer asking it. Yeah, we were. At, I think it was a gaming fair or something like that. We were there with Electronic Arts, and that's where it came from. And we were kind of just like, I don't know, if she was trying to be funny, or she just hadn't done any research whatsoever. But I was like, I'm going to burn this question to the ground, and <laughs> we, just, great. we just and just went with it. Uh, yeah, I guess my first question is: Are you twins in real life? No. Right, okay. No,
2: we—it's uh, quite 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 a weird story. We, we we met at the audition press,
1: didn't we? Because yeah. Yeah. the easiest thing to do in that situation is keep a straight face, and then they've got to go along with it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of where we where we went from. And then all of a sudden, next thing I know, it's gone on to have like this meme status. Mm-hmm. There's that one, and there was another one I did where um, it was on the DVD extras, which similar thing. it had been going on for a long t- a long day, and I think it was, it was Tom Felton asking that that question. It was. You know, questions. What would you, what book would you take with you if you're on the desert island? And people were saying like the Bible or the works of Shakespeare or something like that. And I just thought I'd, I'd take How to Build a Raft. <laughs> and next thing I know, many like five years later, that becomes a big meme as well. So it's just, I think the internet's quite quite funny for stuff like that, off comments like that that we'll make not thinking much about the longevity of it suddenly take on a life of its own.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a brilliant response to a terrible question. And I watched the video and something I had never noticed before is that even right in the very beginning, she asks the two of you, what are your names? And you say, I'm James and he's Oliver. And then she immediately messes it up right off the bat. She goes, OK, Oliver and James like flips it <laughs> right off the jump. So yeah, not not a good omen, but hopefully <laughs> these will be
2: better. What I, what I really <laughs> wished is that everyone could see what we saw from. So Obviously, we're looking at her, but over her shoulder, you have her producer who's <laughs> kind of like getting quite cross. And the guy with is either Warner Brothers or Electronic Arts or something to do with the partnership, who is literally like head in his hands, just like, no, <laughs> no, we <laughs> don't do this. <laughs> but we had fun, so that's the main thing. No, it's very good. <laughs> so going back to the very beginning.
0: Wikipedia, in a very dramatic fashion, says that you skipped school to attend the open audition for it. It makes it sound much more drastic than it was. I assume you still had your parents'
1: permission, right? You didn't, like, yeah. run off yeah, and exactly,
0: yeah. d- ditch class and, you know, catch a cab <laughs> to the audition. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah.
1: We, went, we went out in our school uniform and then quickly changed the other side of the trees or something like that. <laughs> no, we, mum and dad actually took us to the interview. So, or the, the the audition, it was up in Leeds, which is about two and a half hours from where we live. And yeah, we were kind of just like Mum got a call from a friend asking if we wanted to go. There was an open call, so we were like, "Yeah, why not?" It was towards the end of the school year, and so you know, it was one of those those times of the year where the teachers are just putting on TV programs because mm-hmm. they haven't made a lesson plan and that type of thing. The end is in sight, as it were. <laughs> so we uh, we were like, "Yeah, well, yeah, let's do it." Technically, we did miss school, but it's not like we were like, "Okay." Bye, mum. Bye, dad. See you tonight. And then quickly, the train <laughs> leaves in 20 minutes. You know, it wasn't anything like that.
0: Yeah, it wasn't Ferris Spieler's Day Off where you had <laughs> yeah. mannequins propped up <laughs> yeah, and exactly, all this yeah.
1: stuff going on. But even before
0: auditioning, I've, I don't remember which of you a teacher said this to, but one of your teachers said, don't do drama, you won't have a career in it. And then now... You, you flipped the script on that. It feels very dramatic for a teacher to say that to you, especially to a, a kid just crushing your dreams right off the jump.
2: Yeah, it's. It, I mean, I've, I've said it before, and it's his, his opinion, for whatever it was worth, was that I would be wasting my time taking drama at high school, essentially. I think
1: it sums the bloke up. I think it sums someone like that up who would say to a kid, don't do something. I think if you're telling anyone at that age, don't do something, you're in the wrong in the whole point he's probably he was he's was probably just looking after his own grades later in the year.
2: Yeah, but equally I I always love to tell that story because that how many people does that happen to when they're told they can't do something or it's not for them or they're not going to fit in doing something. Mm-hmm. And prove them wrong. Like there's so, I know there's so many stories like that but I I always like telling it because it's true. Yeah. Like you should never just settle for one person saying you can't do it and especially especially acting now like there's how many auditions does an actor go to when they haven't got the gig? And if you don't get the gig first time round, it doesn't mean that you're a bad actor. It just means that someone else was made for that part and you weren't. Like, it's just just keep going.
1: I mean, a good thing, I always think, I always remember when we were in, I think we were in Australia and we were doing like a and a We were asked that, that question. We told that that story. I'm in Florida. Florida, sorry. And we were um, in front of, I think it's like two and a half thousand people or something like that, quite a lot of people. And we said, yeah, you know, so just imagine if someone said to you, you Don't have a future in it. I tell you what, let's all say it really loudly now, or let's say hello to this teacher, which they did. And I think, yeah, James, you got a message in you from someone from the school.
2: Yeah, like to, about a, a week later, this this the student who's now at my old, our old school literally said, This has gone viral around the school, and everybody just keeps saying it to this bloke whenever he walks in the room. <laughs> So I was like, yes. Well, yeah, You looks like
0: you won that interaction. Exactly, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a good <laughs> message to not listen to those people. The first person that ever wrote a review of my podcast, Pottery List, the final sentence of it ended with, Mike Schubert might not make it in podcasting, and now it's my job full time. So, <laughs> it, exactly. it, you know, if anything, it's an omen for success. And where's that and where's that person now? I don't know, but uh, I, they, they're not writing any more articles. That was the last one they've ever posted. So, <laughs> right. uh Oh. <laughs> Proven wrong. Basically, why would you write something like that? I don't know. Well, they they wrote this like critical review of the podcast, and basically their entire the whole shtick of my podcast is that I didn't read the Harry Potter books as a kid. So it's me going through them for the first time as a grown man. And inherently, I'm not going to know what's going on. And basically, their entire critique of it was, oh, well, he doesn't know anything about Harry Potter. So that's frustrating. And also, he's not British. So he doesn't understand some of the British things in the book either. It's like, I don't know, it'd be like if you're watching a rugby match and you're like, well, they're not playing cricket. So this sucks.
1: (laughs) So by by their, their logic, then, does that mean then that the book should only have been successful in England as opposed to one of the most translated stories of all time? Yeah, exactly. Wow, it's, like, <laughs> yeah. oh,
0: it's a British book, so only a British person can host a podcast about it because, you know, it's... Yeah. I, I I think it's funny when I didn't know that treacle tarts were a real British thing. I thought, like, oh, it's a fun magical wizard <laughs> dessert. Ha, ha, ha. And then British people had to write in and be like, uh, actually, they, those exist. You can just buy them. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It, it makes for fun mix-ups.
1: I think, I think there's always going to be that type of person around there who wants to be heard, but not necessarily have an input what's positive about it, you know? And it's... um. That's frustrating, and unfortunately, those they've always been there, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Like reviews have always been that type of thing. But sometimes things don't need to be said, especially like that, as if it just sounds like they're trying to flesh out a page. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, one thing, one thing that James and I always try and put on onto anyone, whether we're speaking to them in, you know, in in, in our podcast or addressing them in any sense of form, is always don't listen to that type. Of, it's, I say it's easier, easy said than done. Oh yeah. But there's always far more people who want you to succeed than fail, and that's always what you need to try and get into your head like like how many people do it where they look at through a comments and stuff but will almost be looking for the negative one. Oh,
0: all the time all the time
1: but yeah you you've looked at it on the flip side of it there's way more positivity coming in than there is negativity so try and try and look for it i mean i'm, I'm guilty of it i'm guilty of looking at stuff and going oh you, that, that was really great love that love that love that love that i can't believe you didn't know so much about this topic I remember we interviewed Kerry-Ann Payne last year on our our podcast, who's a world champion open water swimmer. There was all these comments saying, that was great, really insightful, lonely stuff. And one person thought, it's frightening how little Oliver knew about swimming. And i wanted to write down that's why you interview people to learn this type of thing you know? but
0: there we go well i mean your last name is phelps so i assume your brother michael
1: is, oh, well yeah you know. yeah i mean you know <laughs> he would have taught we, you something we taught him everything he knew you know like before beijing he was, he was on the blower saying you know guys what do we do um no it's uh it's one of those things i do although having a very famous uh person with the same name as us really helps when you're Trying to get someone to pronounce, to spell your name correctly.
0: Ah. You
1: know, it's in The Swimmer, and they said, oh, yeah, I know. I was going to write with an F. Like, yeah, no one does.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Franz Schubert, the composer from way back, hasn't really helped me because right. people always forget the C <laughs> in my last name. And I never know how well-known he is because I want to say to people, oh, it's spelled the same way as the composer. But A, I don't know if people know how that one is spelled. And B, I feel like that comes off as really pretentious. Like, oh, <laughs> it's <was> just spelled <laughs> like the composer.
2: <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> I need like a normal person with the last name Schubert to become famous. Or maybe I, if, if things go right for me, maybe I can be that beacon for future Schubert's where go. people don't forget the C in my last name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So on your podcast, you said that you told this great story in your episode with Ivana Lynch in part one, where you said that you went through like five rounds of auditions and then it wasn't until the first table reading that they actually told you which twin you were playing and someone had to go into the back room and figure it out and then come back and tell you. But I wanted to know, did either of you... Care like did you have interest where one of you really wanted to be one twin versus the other, or were you just fine with however it shook out? Were were there discussions or arguments or anything like that after the
2: fact? I wouldn't say so. It is more the fact that we so in in the rehearsal. Sorry, in the other auditions, we'd read both parts, whatever scene it was that we were doing, we'd read both of them. If I'm being completely honest, I always liked playing Fred for no other reason than for no other reason. I enjoyed. (laughs) reading him so then when I was told I was Fred it kind of just felt like the right fit if that makes sense but I can't give a specific reason why well hey if it works it works exactly (laughs) (laughs) and
0: something that ended up happening in the movies which You've talked about being a frustrating thing. I've talked about being a frustrating thing is that I feel like as the movies go on, they just decide, well, the twins, they should just talk in unison for every single line. And that is their entire character trait. Did the two of you have to practice unison talking to where you said everything in the same cadence? Because really, as the movies that go on, like that's all... They have you do for dialogue, which is, is, seems frustrating from your perspective, but also challenging to nail from saying things at the exact same moment.
1: It kind of—I mean, to be honest, that that came in naturally for a better a better phrase. Like, we met with Alfonso just before we started filming the third film because he wanted to go over the uh, the scene when we give Harry the Marauders map, and he wanted to he wanted to talk through that and like how how they how they talk it, and he noticed that when we were trying to get our ideas across to each other, we were cutting each other up. And he he kind of sat back and was like, I, I like that. And then so literally he saw us almost finishing each other's sentences on that regard. So he said, Well, let's just work that in. Let's just uh-huh. and he actually had his pen out and he was just crossing lines to say, right, so we'll split that line, we'll split that line. Uh-huh. And then it worked really well. And a lot of people seem to seem to dig it. So we kind of added on the back of it. But in one way it's just quite it is quite easy because you it's not like we're saying monologues and then we're cutting in at the end of like a 15-liner or something like that, we're only talking like two lines, three lines at a time. So it's quite easy to keep up with the pace of that and it just almost just makes it not like in a singing notion but that's the type of thing you have like a chorus coming in like you've got the you've got the actual wording and then you just come straight into the next bit
0: yeah for sure were were there any other things from your real life brotherhood that made its way into the movies because just from seeing you guys interact on your podcast and other things it feels like you have a fun you know playing pranks or jokes on each other dressing up in top hat and tails to one up the brother did that shape some of the things in filming like oh these guys like to mess with each other let's let them do it did you get room to improv Anything like that I
2: guess so I mean, luckily the all the directors were very keen on letting you do like it wasn't like the none of the directors were like the, the kind who they know exactly what they want you to do everything whereas all the directors that were on the potters they were all very keen just to direct you but let you go and do what what works best and find your fit and I guess we were given free range offset as well because Oliver Rupert and myself were always pranking somebody even if it was each other just and we could get away with it because we were saying like we're in character we need to do this (laughs) (laughs) we're method acting (laughs) exactly exactly we could just completely get away with it and it's like wow i can't believe they believe this this is amazing (laughs) we definitely grew into it myself personally i was always the shy kid especially when we first started i was more than happy to be at the back of the room like one of the crowd kind of thing I, i i wasn't that that fussed about having attention but playing a character like Fred, you have to, like, you have to be an attention seeker, essentially, because yeah. that's what they are. In a good way, but that, at the end of the day, that's what they are. Mm-hmm. And once I started doing that, I actually really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So playing that character definitely rubbed off on me to be a, bit, a lot more outgoing and a bit louder than I was before. Nice. Yeah, that's really fun.
0: And did any of those pranks go horribly wrong to where it messed something up? Because I've heard there's a podcast, the West Wing Weekly, where Joshua Molina, one of the actors, says that he did a prank so bad he put Vaseline on a phone. And then when someone put it to the ear, put Vaseline in the wig and then it ruined the wig. Was there anything where someone had to step you in and be like, hey, guys, we know you're the twins, but could you please stop pranking?
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, that was I mean, there there was a game we used to play. And it was really just relieving boredom. And they actually said, guys, I don't think you should do that anymore. Just because in case someone got hurt, without going into details of it, it was quite a- extreme. Okay. It could have gone really bad, yeah. Um, that was between James Rupert and myself.
2: Well, th- no, th- th- I think the the best the best or the best one I've heard is they got us a dartboard. Essentially, they got Oliver Rupert, myself, ex. We always used to go to Rupert's dressing room because had the biggest dressing room, nice. and he had a dartboard. And they pretty much like encouraged us just to keep playing darts that will keep us there and not going causing mischief anywhere else. <laughs> so we got we got into playing darts. It was going well, and then we thought we'd upgrade the dartboard somewhat. Anyway, long story short, we invent, we got a crossbow and we are playing with darts a crossbow. with crossbow. Made a crossbow. <laughs> made, we made a crossbow, yeah.
1: It's it basically from like an arrow, like a bow and arrow set for kids. So it wasn't even that sturdy. Like the thing was made of plastic, but we've got, an, you know, an arrow. You know, it's, it's one of these things was designed for like a plastic suction cap type thing, except we replaced the suction cap with a razor sharp arrow on the other end. So it, it, got, it could have, again... Why? You think about why? Like we had a lovely, there was a lovely PlayStation and then there was a pool table, there was a table tennis table. No, let's 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 get extreme. So that's, that's
2: kind of where we got with that.
0: And then uh, I believe JK herself did see you with the crossbow and then turned around in disgust at one point. That's right.
2: Yeah, she did. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Walked in. Saw what's happening and walked back out. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say disgust, <laughs> but maybe just a case
1: of if I don't see it, it didn't happen. Maybe that's what she was thinking of. Mm,
0: okay, okay.
2: We didn't necessarily
1: see her too often actually when when we were filming, but when she was around, no one necessarily knew that she was going to be putting her head around the door or anything. But when it did happen, it was kind of like, oh, hi. It's like, you know, the main principal's principle rocks up. <laughs> Not that she was trying to be intimidating, but to me, I found that as intimidating as anything because you know, we're playing characters, what she's thought up she's put down on paper she's got out there and and made so loved the characters and we're, we're lucky enough to be able to do it so it was um it was always strange when that when that happened but it was quite nice that there was a, a the odd occasion when you you'd be able to ask a question on where did these characters come from where are they based from or anything like that and that was quite cool having that motion but yeah on that instance when she was in the room i she probably thought they'd either cast the perfect people for it or they've cast complete Lunatics.
0: Well, I think looking back, it's great because, uh, I mean, you don't have to say anything about this, but uh, if, if I had the opportunity to directly anger J.K. <laughs> Rowling, given what's happening right now, I'd feel great. I'd love that chance <laughs> to know that I might have made her upset. Hey, pass Mike, let me stop you right there just to make sure we don't get sued by Warner Brothers. And we're going to take a little bit of a break here for Wingardium at Riddosa. Today's episode is brought to you by another podcast I've created, Meddling Adults. Meddling Adults is a whodunit game show for charity where I serve as the host, and guests compete head-to-head in a contest of solving children's mysteries from classics like Encyclopedia Brown, Scooby-Doo, and Shelby Woo, and whoever scores the most points earns money for a charity of their choosing. Points are awarded for correct guesses, bonus points are given out for absurd accusations, and you can play along at home to test your sleuthing prowess against the wits of fictional young detectives. You can listen to Meddling Adults by searching for Meddling Adults wherever you get your podcasts or going to our website, meddlingadults.com. I hope you check it out and happy sleuthing. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me. Others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally. So if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. Wow! right there. Wow. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash, slash wow. potterless that's for 10% off your T-N-O. first purchase. Wow. That's a so wild, wild offer. Cards 10% off $4 $4 $4 $4 $4 packs $4 a $400 flatback. Right that's $10 right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com or a Pokemon nerd or, or, N-O nerd for 10% or all off your sorts of nerds purchase. like me. You can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death Something that I have learned more by doing this podcast is that all of the adults are just these incredibly highly touted, their resumes are miles long, incredibly well-respected famous actors. And a lot of the kids are people doing it for the first time. In your interview with Katie Lung, it seems like a lot of kids were just kind of brought in because they looked the part and then they figured it out after the fact. Is that something you were aware of while being a kid on set? Like, oh my gosh, that's whoever like oh my god that's alan rickman he's from everything is is that something as a kid you recognize or was it not until after the fact that you were like i was in a movie with freaking you know (laughs) like
2: the some of the most famous people in all of the uk definitely we're aware of it because Die Hard is on every christmas so that's where (laughs) we knew alan rickman from uh maggie smith uh, Oliver and I knew her from Sister Act. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and then uh, Julie Walters, when she played um When when we learned that Julie Walters was cast as Mrs. Weasley, we were so excited because she's from the same city where we're from. Oh, that's awesome. But equally, she's just a legend in well, around the world now, but at the time, especially in English and British TV and all that kind of thing. So we were so excited. So we, every every actor that was in Potter, we knew that they were there for doing something amazing already. And even if we didn't know of them ourselves, our mum or dad would then say, oh, that's such and such. That's an amazing actor because of this or actress because of that. So we knew full well that these were the pinnacle of British film. Mm -hmm. And it was intimidating to start with, but it became very apparent very early on. They were all very welcoming. I guess they knew the situation that they are in in regards to a lot of the 50% of the cast are (laughs) first-time kids. So bear with it at times. And they're all very, I can only speak personally, but they're all very approachable. And if you've ever had any questions about a certain scene or anything like that, basically learning the method of different methods, they're always very approachable to go and approach and, and pick their brain. That's really cool. Yeah. It's
0: something as a sports fan, I get to hear a lot
2: of, especially with basketball, you have
0: people that growing up, they watch Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, they watch Shaquille O'Neal play and then they get into the league at the same time as them. And then it's, oh my goodness, now I'm playing basketball against Shaq, against these people. So that's kind of fun for the two of you to be knowing of these people from screen. And then, oh, now we're in the same movie. Or in some cases, like we're in the same scene as this person. It's got to be an awesome feeling. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I
1: mean, I always, I always remember at the, uh, the first read through where James and I were sat, we were sat next to uh, Rick Mayle who was originally cast to play Peeves the Poltergeist. Now, growing up, we were massive fans of, of The Young Ones and Bottom, um, which is kind of where I suppose our comedic influences come from in terms of alternative silly humour. But he was sat next to us, and I remember thinking of everyone in that room. That was the one person I was like, I can't believe I'm sat next to Rick Mayall. And we did our, our line when we are doing the Honesty Woman, Call Yourself Our Mother bit. And... I think, whether he could tell we were nervous or whatever, he, over the top, laughed. Oh, nice. It, like, really made it obvious that it was a funny bit. And I remember just thinking that is the coolest thing ever. Someone who I've laughed, like, till I've had tears coming down my cheeks at what this guy's done, is now laughing, at, smiling, at, like, like we're making him laugh, but also he's comforting in that way, without saying, that was fantastic, you know, well done. It was almost like, as a, when you're trying to make someone laugh, or make, like a comedic element, that's even better than someone patting you on the back. And that was just, that was just absolutely fantastic. And I was just, I mean, in hindsight, I was gutted that we weren't able to do scenes with him. That would have been just unbelievable. But just that one experience we were able to have was, was really super. And I think when, when we saw that he was next to us on the, on the table, we were kind of like, this is a really big film. This is a really big deal. you know. That's awesome.
0: The rumor that I have heard is that they ended up cutting the peeve scenes because he made the kids laugh too much and they couldn't use any of the takes. Is that true? Or is that just a, a fairy tale justification of why they cut a very cuttable character from
2: the film? I can believe that. Um, another one I, I've heard, it's one of these things, like, what is the reason? Yeah. The, re- the one I heard was that the stuff that they did and his character and all that kind of thing, it would have pushed the rating up to like a PG 13 or something oh, like that. So okay. especially the early ones, they wanted to keep it, low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the UK it will be, be a U, so I'm not sure that would be in the in the US. I think PG-13 because I I'm, I'm pretty sure
0: they kept them all PG at least for the early ones, yeah, exactly. but I know you mentioned that the reason they didn't make the uh the George Ear thing as bloody, they had a more gruesome version but then they cut it back because of rating. And then also that's why they didn't show the Fred death is because you can't have too many people die otherwise it goes to the next rating.
1: I mean, the good thing about the uh, with the George's ear was the I had a I actually got them to take a photograph of me of the first test they did of it and it is If you think reservoir, if you think reservoir dogs, (laughs) and then probably more, even more gruesome than that, really. Like there was, you know, there was bits of flesh hanging off. There was bits of like bone hanging in there. There was like part of the skull showing. It was, you know, they went all out. And I just remember it because the the blood was made from like a sugary substance. So it was just really sticky and cold. And they literally just poured this whole thing down and it's this gaping wound. And it looked gruesome. It looked so nasty and just. You know, they didn't even take the whole ear off. At one point, there was like a bit of the out, like the outer or the inner ear was still there with like holes in it and black stuff. It looked absolutely ridiculously horrible. And at the time, I was like, "I need a photo of this because they, they are not using they are not using this version." I'm sure of it.
0: <laughs> That's good foresight. And you now have a framed ear, right? And a and a bust from it as yeah, well.
1: Yeah, I've got a bust. So I didn't. know, I, was, I, I wasn't able to take one of the busts. What they used a lot which is what they made like with the silicon on the faces so it, so they've actually got like the flesh element to it it's more just a uh, plaster version of it but the actual ear so because i used to, have to put a fake ear on every day well i, I didn't put it on there the prosthetic team did but <laughs> yeah, so every day i would have that on and take it off at the end then they'd either bin it or you know that was it so i uh, i kept the last i've got i've got another one somewhere in the house i don't know where it is but yeah i kept the very last one which i framed and and kept nicely all the others i used to just put on yeah, you know, car window or something like that on the way home. and Just <laughs> mess with people.
0: <laughs> That's very fun, James. For you, as Fred, in one of the episodes of your podcast, you said that you were shocked to learn that your character died. You didn't know ahead of time. J.K. Rowling didn't give you the uh, the special treatment. Like, there's all these stories about how she sat Alan Rickman down, and even though all the books weren't written, she one on one told him what Snape's character arc would be like, and that would inform all of this stuff. You, there was no sorts of heads up at all given to you. Like, hey, by the way, your guy's gonna.
2: Die. <laughs> no, I mean to be fair, it is Alan Rickman. So true, true, true. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah. Uh, no, I yeah, I, I literally found out like everybody else when reading the books. I was shocked at what happened. I was shocked at the the story. I was then shocked how I felt about it because I didn't realize how attached I'd become to the character yeah and then I was shocked at how shocked I was about being shocked. <laughs> <So> it was <laughs> many layers deep <laughs> yeah I didn't I didn't sleep that well that night just because my brain was thinking like, wow, this is the first time I've generally had to think so much detail about something which it was it was a cool th- I, I, I <laughs> cool I'm gonna say people saying that yeah. <laughs> it was a cool way in for me anyway, just to realize just how much that character meant to me and I didn't realize until that time
0: yeah and this is something it's funny that you would learn by reading the books because, Earlier in the book, George loses an ear. So I could see as a twin, maybe James, you were like, ha ha, you end up having to lose an ear. And then the next day you read chapter whatever. It's like, oh, (laughs) something worse
2: has happened to mine. Yeah, I was kind of thinking like, he'll save the day or something. (laughs) Uh, Nope. (laughs) Fred is actually the chosen one the whole time. Oh, (laughs) exactly. God, that would have been a great twist.
0: The prophecy was wrong. (laughs) Beyond just acting in the films, I saw online, James, that you were a runner for Half-Blood Prince and then also the Da Vinci Code. What exactly does being a runner entail? Is it like a gopher where you just kind of do a whole bunch of stuff for different people on set? What kind of responsibilities did you
2: have? So it's uh, a position in the AD department, the Assistant Director's Department. So my official title on the Half-Blood Prince was uh, the key set PA. So I I actually have two credits. That's cool. So if you wait a bit later for about half an hour into the credits, you'll see my (laughs) second credit. But essentially, yes, they are the the go-betweens, each department. So when they're setting up a new scene or if they're moving to a new set, the AD department have to tell everybody where they're going and what they're doing, what scenes are being shot that day in what order and normally. And the runners are the guys who go to do it. And the now, obviously, everybody has walkie-talkies and all that kind of stuff. But here's my little did you know. The term runner actually comes from before walkie talks were around. They would literally have to run. Makes sense, yeah. In the studios, to different departments, and tell them what was going on. Wow, yeah,
0: that's fun. It seems like a, a fun role. It's cool that you were able to be in the movie, but then also be in the production of the movie at the same time.
2: Yeah, it was. I think I was unique in that. Especially, I definitely was. I think a few people did it in the last film, but I was definitely the first, one of the first to do it. But the I would I've, I've said this before. Anyone that's thinking about getting into the film industry to work on the crew, try and get a, a work experience doing that. Because you'll you'll meet every department going, and you will see right. every department working. So, don't not necessarily to end up as an assistant director, but you could you can see what the sound guys are doing, what the grips are doing, what the camera guys are doing. And to do that, I would just recommend finding out what films are being filmed, who the assistant director is, and just badger them with emails, <laughs> just asking for work experience. Everyone's <laughs> going to hate me for saying this now, but I know I know plenty of people who've got in the industry just doing that. That's awesome. That's really cool. Even
0: beyond acting, you mentioned earlier you're doing a promotion for EA. So you guys have done voices for the Harry Potter video games. You've done stuff for the theme parks. What is it like going from being in the movies to then doing these things that are more obscure but similar where you're doing voice acting, you're doing green screen video stuff to be used in roller coasters. What is that experience like?
1: To be honest, it's not too too dissimilar because um, like with the voiceover stuff, like when we we're filming, you would do ADR. Oh, right, yeah. Additional dialogue recording. So you would normally when the film's Being finished or part of it is being cut, and the sound doesn't quite match up or something. You you'll go in, so you basically it's a bit like karaoke. You're watching it on the screen, and the line will come across, and when the line hits the other line, that's when you say your line. (laughs) So it's not too dissimilar from that in terms of for the dialogue for the the video game. The only difference is that you've got to say, especially in one game, you could control Fred and George, so you could walk around with them, and. You have to do, we have to do like def- different variations of what it would sound like to walk into a wall. <laughs> oh, ow, oh. exactly. So you so think, like, Oh, I'm going to do the video game. And it's just, uh, ah, mm, no, like all <laughs> this random stuff. So luckily they don't have a mirror in there. Otherwise, I think you'd get a bit, you'd feel a bit silly. So doing stuff like that wasn't too dissimilar. And if anything, the video, the, the theme park, especially when we filmed the, the broomstick stuff for the uh, the train in the Hogwarts thing, what goes in between Islands of Adventure and Universal Studios in Orlando, mm-hmm. that had to be literally to the millisecond correct. So it took a lot longer oh, than normal Quidditch wow. segments because normally they can match it in on where they go, but because of this was you know front and center for a specific time on the ride, we had it was literally to the to the point, and you had to have the bag um, or the fireworks or whatever we had at the time in a very very specific place where you're holding it in relation to your hat into your face to your body whatever like that so that took a lot longer than most of the quidditch segments is is what i remember of it going and thinking to myself at the time it better be some ride and i remember when we went on it later i was thinking this is so worth it this is so cool
0: it's fun and then even even further beyond that you guys did a bunch of promotional tours there's one i found on youtube where it was spellbinding secret saturday by kids wb and it was the most mid-2000 things ever where james you're wearing puka shells oliver <laughs> you have checkered vans yeah. everyone's hair is very of the time and it's very famous for at one point james you have to do an impersonation of the shrieking shack so highly recommend anyone that hasn't seen this video to look it up on youtube okay well, okay it's you and then uh bonnie right the two of you and bonnie Right, talking about it's all you talking about movie magic and there's a YouTube video I believe the title is called I found that one James and Oliver Phelps interview so you don't have to I think is like what the title <laughs> of the YouTube video is and it's just a supercut of all these things and for some reason the three of you are like describing how all of the movie magic works and then they have you say something funny at the end and when you you two are explaining how the shrieking shack moved because it's on animatronics Oliver you go to James like oh James can you do a shrieking shack impersonation and then basically you wiggle back and forth and go,
1: uh, uh, and uh,
0: <laughs> it's pretty great.
1: <laughs> James, show them your impersonation of a Shrieking Shack. thing is, could you imagine, right, doing that now? with TikTok and Instagram around there? Or do you think people would just be a bit more conscious about it doing that? Nah, because someone's going to make some idiot meme of me doing it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's something that comes into it.
0: It's got to be a lot harder. I mean, this happens across all things, movies, sports. If if you do the tiniest silly thing on the pitch, the field, the court, there's a million cameras. People catch everything. Yeah. So yeah, I could imagine that would be very, very much meme-ified. Were 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 there any promotion or any sort of thing that you had to do that was just completely ridiculous, whether it was really obscure or the stuff that they asked you to do was just completely off the walls?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember we were in uh, we were in Denmark and we were at this morning magazine type show. I suppose it would be a bit like TRL. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The MTV show. You know, that type, of, that type of show in the morning. We were there and we were doing this interview, but while we're doing the interview, like next to us is this kid who's, I say kid, he's like 18 years old, getting his first ever tattoo and it was the logo of the show. What? So we're doing this interview, like, and they're like, so tell us all about the new movies. We're like, yeah, you know, we've got this. And, <laughs> and you can just hear this going up in the background. You're looking at this poor lad, just like in agony, <laughs> you know. Oh, so we're just about to put the colour in now. Anyway, the Quidditch scenes, what's the Quidditch? <laughs> like going on. And then, uh, and then at the end of it, they say, oh, so, um, you know, so have you got, you got any requests for songs or anything like that? And like, um, it was a radio show as well, so yeah, and we we're like uh, it
0: makes for great audio just to have a buzzing in the background the entire time. Yes. Love to hear that. Yeah,
1: still still thinking of all that going on. And we were like thinking to myself at the time, this chap's going to need some time to cool down because he's he's struggling here. Um, so we're like looking at him, we're like, Could "We have Master of Puppets by Metallica," <laughs> like, knowing it's like you know the full version is like five minutes, seven minutes long or something. And they were like, uh, "Okay, maybe, maybe." So then they played about two <laughs> minutes of the song, and apparently they got that many complaints from people that they cut Metallica short. They had to put it in its entirety about an hour later. So, stuff like that's been quite cool.
0: Oh, nice. Okay. Good good. I thought people were sending complaints that you played Metallica. That's good. You, you've, uh, you, people were mad that they had to cut it short. That's awesome. Look at you. Going on, I creeped on the Instagram accounts for the two of you and I found that you are both avid golfers. Oliver, you already talked about having your golfing indoor thing. <laughs> but James, I saw that you had a tiny little uh, a photo of you holding up a tiny little trophy beating Tom Felton in golf.
2: I do. I've got it here, actually.
0: Oh, amazing. What is... What is the story behind this? Do you guys play annually? Are you much better than Tom? Do you want to talk trash to Tom? Clearly, he's a listener
2: of the show. <laughs> uh, yes, 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 uh, all of the above. Um, basically, we so last summer we ended up going on a bit of a golf trip. Just Oliver, myself, and Tom went up to Scotland to play St Andrews. Oh, amazing! And Archfield, another course up in Scotland. So we had like a like a boys' couple of days away, which is really nice and. Because St. Andrews is the home of golf. It's where the Open Championships played. I bought a mini replica of the Claret Jug. Oh, nice. So that's what we played in Scotland for, and I ended up winning. And then a few weeks later, Tom and I then played Royal St. George's, which is where the Open is this year in England. So we're playing there, and then we said, okay, we'll we'll play for the Cup again. And I won again. Nice. And so you have to make the internet know this. Of course.
0: Yeah, naturally.
2: (laughs) Exactly. And actually, I, I played him again the other day and uh, unfortunately i didn't bring the trophy but i i had to make sure the internet knew that i won again
0: yeah for sure i mean it's it's so small that you can't necessarily engrave it like they do for the stanley cup and other (laughs) of these things so in lieu of engravement keep posting photos on instagram
2: making fun of tom felton for being worse at golf than you (laughs) definitely definitely and it's to be honest it's it's just a real like i know when we especially when we went st andrew's it was it was good fun because the it was the height of the pandemic so all of international travel had ceased so it was the first time in many many years in St Andrews it was just Brits up there playing Hmm. because usually it's all everyone from all over the world trying to play so it was quite unique that it was just British people there this is what everybody in in the town was telling us Mm -hmm. but even more bizarre to some people sitting in this pub and then Draco and the Weasleys walk in and ask for a <laughs> pint. Like it was, that must have been quite a bizarre moment. Yeah. But it's perfectly normal for you. And
0: like you try to talk about in your normal, not normal podcast, the whole thing is that. You, the normal for you is different from the normal for me, which is different from the normal of anyone. And it's funny because outside of it, people will be like, oh, wow, I can't believe that they're still friends in real life. But everyone ends up being friends with at least one of their coworkers. And you guys were coworkers for years. Like, yeah, exactly. it's, it's funny that for, to other people, the barkeep might think it's ridiculous. But when you when you look at it at its core, it's supremely normal.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I think as well, like you you look at it in even, even a more simplistic term, like you're hanging around the same people for 10 years in those formative years of your life, really you're going to keep in touch with just a couple of people at the very least. Right. Uh, and especially if you've got a common interest like golf. Um, yeah. that's, that's kind of where that came from. But as James said, we went for a, went, there's a, there's a pub just on the corner by St. Andrews um, by the old course. We went in there and met up with a friend of ours who teaches the St. Andrews university rugby team. He's their coach. Oh, cool. So he, he met us up there as well. And we walked in and sat down. So we've got, a former scottish international rugby player and three people from harry potter and there were these uh these these group of lads and like normally st andrews is a big student town but all the students had gone home at that point but there were still some there were some youngsters about and they they were looking across the bar and they were just like have i had too many
2: have
1: i had too many here <laughs> yeah. like uh you're right mate yeah and then obviously you gotta wear your mask to get out and everything like that so people are still second guessing but yeah it was <laughs> It was great fun, and I can't wait to be able to do it again. We're, we're talking about hopefully doing another trip somewhere in the UK later this year to play a bit more golf. So yeah, that'd be that'd be good fun. It's a great it's a great way to get out and socialise for a couple of hours at the very least. And uh, yeah, we've been lucky enough to play all over the globe together. And actually, one of the best blags on the whole filming was when we were doing the sixth movie, and the publicity girls. I was chatting to them because we used to speak. We used to spend a lot of time with. I said publicity girls. They were the team. Who were in charge of all the publicity when we were filming and we would be normally on the publicity tours with at least one of them and they said so oh, we're looking at doing an, an extra for the DVDs, and we know that obviously you guys rupert and tom's just started playing golf at the time said uh, maybe we could just go to the driving range and do an interview with you and I, uh, opportunist i am i said oh, the driving range would be really boring because you know, And I, I, I've got to be totally honest with you. I took total advantage of the situation knowing that they didn't know the first thing about golfing. And I said, "I oh, know driving ranges will be too loud because you've got other people hitting and stuff like that. It wouldn't be good. We'd have to play a golf course. Oh, right. Okay. Well, maybe the Grove, which is just opposite, which about three or two years before had just held the HSBC World Golf Championship. Wow. Uh, where Tiger was won it by like 20 clear shots or something. So I was like, okay, I'll go and chat to the guys about it. So when I spoke to the guys, I said, I think we can get more out of them than this. I think I reckon we could do more than this. So I had a look, went back and said, yeah, actually, so the Ryder Cup is being held in Wales, um, the 2010 course at Celtic Manor. I think if we did it there, we'd get be able to appeal just as much to the American market, which is obviously a massive market uh, in terms of sales, but I think it would appeal more to them. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Yeah, that'd be great. I said, obviously, we'd have to stay over the night before because it's quite a journey and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, that, that's, that's cool. So we went back, told the other guys. I think we can get another round of golf out of them here. So we went back to them again and said, I think we need to play the day before just so we know the course. Don't look silly when we're playing. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. That's okay. Yeah. Write that down. Okay. Went back to them again. Okay. That's all sorted. Telling my dad about it. Do you think, do you think we could play? I'll ask. So I went back to them the next day and said, you know what? I think we need a group playing behind us. Who is going to slow the course down in case we're being pushed from behind? Very so smart. Not only did we get two rounds of golf on a Ryder Cup course pre-tournament, we got um, yeah two nights to stay with like the spa and everything like that. There, my dad and his mate, and actually one of the fiancés from the um, from the publicity team got to play behind us as well, and it made it for about. I don't know. Twenty minutes of footage on the DVD extras, but the best thing was when when the DVD came out, we were sat down. Um, we, we, we were at the, the bar of the hotel before the main DVD launch event, and Ron, who is the head of Warner Home Video at the time, um, said, "Who gave? Who said yes to that? Who said yes to that?" I mean, that is just, and he was he was a bit frustrated. I, was, I thought I'm going to get one of these people fired. So I, I just had to step. I explained the story I just told you. Then and he was like, "I said oh, I'm really sorry about that." And he said. I'm so, I'm so, you know, annoyed about it. Do you know how long I've been waiting for a golfing trip on the company card and no one lets me uh. know, lets me know about it. So <laughs> I was very happy that we got away with it. It was one of those right place, right time. If you don't ask, you don't get. And the worst I could say is no. So it's, uh, but it's yeah. on there. I think it's on the, on the internet somewhere to find it anyway.
0: I'll have to check it out. That's fantastic. I mean, hey, Warner Brothers is good for it. They're making up teen jillion dollars off of the film. I think they can send a couple of kids to go golf. I fully support you doing this. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Well done. Well done. Well, I can't think of a better place to end that the interview here. We're, we're, that story is just top notch. But how about the two of you? We've mentioned it a bit, but do you want to give a little bit of a plug for your new podcast, Normal Not Normal, Season 3? How how that's been going? What people can expect there?
1: Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, it was. Um, so basically how this, um, you, you kind of j- jumped into it there. Like the, the Normal Not Normal is, it, it kind of came about, so we did our first two seasons and the second season kind of came out of, there was quite a gap in between the first two and that's because we kind of didn't know what to do it on. And in the last lockdown in the UK, so about about April last year, we were asked to go on a, an interview with a friend of ours, Johanna Conte, who's a British tennis player. And I said, oh, do you want, do you want to come on our podcast? And she was oh, have you got one? I said, we do now. <laughs> yep. So, so we literally just did it on Zoom. And then uploaded it and then gradually it just kind of progressed and got a life of its own with a lot of people tuning in. And it, we found that it was just an escapism for so many different people all over the globe. And then from from that, we went on to um, teaming up with uh, Stable, a, a production company, and they we were pit- thrown through ideas. And I just said, you know, there's this concept which I've kind of only realized in the last couple of years where my normality and your normality are totally different things. Yeah, it's still a big deal that people want to be associated as normal. I'm not doing a normal thing or whatever. Let's just talk to different people about what their normal is. And it kind of went from there. So we've been trying to break down this barrier that people hold themselves almost to a standard of somebody else next to them who they don't have. Even if you go to the same work or the same school, your lives are not going to be the same. Your home life is not going to be. Do you know what I mean? Like there's all different aspects of it, yet people trying. try and, tag this normal at normality on it
0: yeah for sure
1: so that's kind of what we're trying to break down this notion and it's been it's been really good and there's been a lot of cool messages from interaction from the community who we've built up from uh, from listening to it as well as the great guests we've been able to interview so yeah if you guys want to check it out it's normal not normal podcast so there's the audio version and the slightly longer video version which is on the on the youtube channel as well
2: yeah I recommend. Thank you very much. And we, we, we're quite lucky as well, because obviously we could call on some guys that we've known from. So there's quite a few guys we've interviewed who are in the Potters with us. So as we record it today, Nat Tenner is is on it this week. So oh, cool. who played Tonks. So and what, what we found is that definitely speaking to people that we've known for some of them over 20 years, we talk about things which we've never asked each other. Like, how did you get in the films? what is your method to acting and the things like that like you you speak it's amazing how you think you know someone and then you dive into things which you would have no need to speak to about but you really get a, a good thing in fact the one we did with Alfie enoch who played dean thomas in the potters the original recording for that was literally ticking at four hours because wow. we just we just had such a laugh and it was we just let it go like just see what happens and i think we, we chopped it down to Alice the producer chopped the audio one down to about an hour in the end and I think the the YouTube one's slightly longer than that but half of it was just like mates just talking about random stuff and just having a good laugh but that one seemed to have a lot of good response but we've also spoke to people that we're genuinely nothing to do with the Potters but genuinely inspirational people to us which has been really great to do as well so it seems to be a great way to have over people up to different things which they would have no interest in listening to already or guests that they may never have heard of but they hear their story and it really impacts them in a positive way yeah no it's been good and you guys are doing a great job so
0: yeah everyone go check out normal not normal well Oliver and James, James and Oliver, however each of you want that order to be, thank you so much for joining, for sitting down. This was a blast. And to close this out, we'll end this episode as I end every episode of the podcast by saying the catchphrase that they definitely said in the Harry Potter books, and the films, and the twins say it all the time, wizard on. <laughs> <laughs> If you're looking for new podcasts to listen to, look no further than Multitude. We've got a whole bunch of shows, ones that I'm a part of. Meddling Adults is a game show I host where guests compete to solve children's mysteries from Scooby Doo, Encyclopedia Brown and more, and the winner earns money for charity. Horse is a basketball podcast that I co-host with stand-up comedian Adam Amawala talking about all the entertaining aspects of basketball, not the nitty gritty numbers and stuff, just the silly stories. And there's so many other great Multitude podcasts from Join the Party, a D&D show, to Spirits, a mythology show, to ExoLore, a Space Explore, Show to head, heart, gut, our friendly debate show. If you want to learn about all of these podcasts, you can go to multitude.productions. Potterless is created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Christine, Aaron Johnson, Klauser Lopu, Marchismo, Juan Feliu, Rosemary Dodge, Marie Lisa C. Keen, Audra Eleanor Kerlin Nikita Power, Rachel Guthrie, Alex Consolver, John Kotker, Noel Basile, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Veronica Bartova, Lada Bartova, Noah, Jennifer Marklew, Justin Montero, Jacob Parish, Maya Gray, Polly Burge, Zena Rznowski, Harlan Haskins, Nikki. Harris, Kine, Sarah Shedder, Marta Morrison, Floor Sake, Sky Lily, Edel Ryan, Professor Threat, Ellie Hoskov Chova, Michael David Yordi, Kelly Otelio, Kerry Crumpler, Connie Beankowski, Jen Went, Nedry OS, Will Husser, Marie Rieger, Ashton Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Phelan, the Meadows Family, Ginny from the Block, Heather Langeel, Kevin Stewart, Jarles Five and Peter McGrath, Callahan Andares, Bella Barlack, Melanie Demi, Reese Dignan, Joseph Torp, Madison, Don't Call Me an Infidora, Sabrina Balsiker, Sophia Loves Pigs, Farzin Jarabot, Melanie Degraf, Matt Barger, Okamihime, Bony Pony, Kelsey Gillespie, Rike Mango Jensen, Taylor Payne, Megan Moon, Riley Kidas. Laurel Happy, Erica Butler, Kendra Hertz, Natanya Page, Yogan, Shanley, Darcy Alexandra Harrison, Sandra Rose, Craig McRoberts, Demi Lynn, Michelle Spurgeon, Henrika Wolf, Casey Canales, Megan Stampin, Jack Skitzes, Dane Nemture, Little One, Ellaria Vicentin, Gregory Hughes, Caw Caw, Mother Feathers, Ribbon Monstrosity, Jack Parr, Serenity Allen, Haley Hastings, Sabrina Casanova, Jenny Browers, Eileen Gazesh, Annette Pipitone, Hufflepuff Alumni, Brett Clausen, Mary Price, Artemis, Samantha McNamara, Nina Campley, Tatiana Schmidt, Carries Davies, Little Vomit Spiders Running Around, Punkfish, Wire Warrior 4976, Joe Sander, Michael Peavy, Maya Saunders, Jasmine Ellis, Neely Tate Sasson Sam Sam Rebe, Adriana Hernandez John Savio Jody Donna Morphy, Nash Sanadiki M.L. Oscar Tomason, Sean Krakoba Greg Bonastali, Matthew J. Moreland Steamed Nuggets and Can't water. Web design by Kelly Schubert and the music is by Bettina Campamanis If you want to find us on social media you can at facebook.com slash Potterless twitter.com slash pod, instagram.com slash podcast, and reddit.com slash r Potterless For any and all information about the show you can go to Potterlesspodcast.com Bonus content lives at patreon.com slash Potterless and merch lives at Slash merch if you want to tell someone about the show you think of someone that might like it reach out to them directly and say hey there's this podcast called potterless i think you would like it word of mouth really does help the show other ways you can do this that are similar are posting about it on social media or leaving a rating interview online
2: thank you so much for listening and until next time as they say in the wizarding world of harry potter wizard on